Hey guys, welcome back to the FFP. My name is Christian, and today we're going to be talking about some of the most underrated players in all of fantasy football. I think this is a really great video to do um, for a lot of reasons. First of all, I think underrated players were where a lot of people are going to win their fantasy championships at, and I think they're also looking for underrated players as sort of an underrated science, so to speak. I think we all get caught up on who's my first round draft pick going to be, and even some of the fantasy nerds like me get really excited about who's my sleeper in you know the ninth, tenth, and eleventh rounds. But oftentimes, some of the guys in those middle rounds can get very overlooked. And that is where I think we screw up a lot of times. I think it's hard to screw up your first-round pick unless you're an idiot. And I think some people are pretty darn smart at getting some solid late-round steals. Um, but you can really ruin your team by screwing up in that middle zone. So that's what I want to talk about today. Four players that you absolutely need to consider um, because they are very underrated. These are guys I feel very confident in. We're going to talk about the reasons why I feel confident in them. But uh, for a lot of reasons, these guys have a lot of value and they're not getting the credit that they deserve. Um, but of course, good for us. We're going to take advantage of that and they're going to help us win our championship. So without any further ado, let's just get right into it with our first guy. So the first guy that we should probably start with is really the guy who inspired this video, and that's Miles Sanders. Um, a while back, we did a breakout players video, and somebody named Dylan left an awesome comment, leaves comments all the time, uh, but left an awesome comment about how much he likes Miles Sanders and thinks that he's going to be a great breakout performer heading into the 2020 season. We couldn't agree more, except that we disagree in one area and that we think he already had his breakout season. Look back to 2019. He was already really quite dominant for a rookie. He put up some great numbers. In fact, he finished finished 15th in PPR leagues and 16th in standard leagues. Really, the production was already there. Otherwise, we were already going to put him on that breakout list. So uh, great comment. And yeah, that's really what we designed this video around one to give you credit because we think that was a, a really nice uh, pickup there. I guess nice notice or whatever. But also, this is a guy who really needs to be talked about. Again, if he finished 15th and 16th, what does that mean? That essentially means he's a running back two, and he's not a low-end running back two. A low-end running back with two would finish around 24th, 23rd, 20th, in that sort of range. Um, but he's kind of creeping up there on the uh, higher running back two end, where if he makes any improvement whatsoever, he could very well creep into that running back one performance. Um, but again, he doesn't even need to do that. He just needs to do what he did last year. If he can just finish 15th and 16th and standard and PPR alike, he'll be fine. And there's absolutely no reason that he won't do that. Um, so there's a lot to like there already. I love when we talk about guys who are sleepers or underrated players, whatever it may be, when we can come out and say he doesn't need to make big improvements and we don't have to make lofty guesses or assumptions. We can just say all he has to do is repeat what he did last year and there's no reason that he won't do that. Um, but also what really surprises me to go look bouncing around on a lot of different websites. I love to see what other people are saying according to, you know, other experts according to what they believe is. And I found on average uh, places like Fantasy Pros and stuff like that um, currently have his ADP as the 29th running back and 68th overall player. So they're essentially evalu evaluating him as half as valuable as he was last year, a concept to me that's really absurd. I don't necessarily understand where that's coming from. So that's what we're going to do real quickly is break down why I like this guy and why I trust him. Uh, I'm going to look down here at my notes and just read off some of the things that I found. First of all, he is 5'11", 211 pounds, and 22 years old. So he's young. He's got a good frame. He's got a good size. Um, he is on that smaller size. He's not too heavy. Um, people, you know, that has really been the big knock on him, however. Um, that, for me, is not a big concern. The size is, again, 
something that a lot of people have been worried about. But when we really look at it, um, it really didn't bother him last year. And before we get into his numbers and things, um, one of the things I look back to is Christian McCaffrey in his rookie year was really known for being undersized. And then he put on some size, just a little bit of muscle. And then, of course, put on even more muscle. But ultimately, that gives me a little bit more hope. I like that we've seen this sort of thing happen in the past. He's not going to be the first ever rookie running back to put on some size before his sophomore year. I definitely think he'll put on. It doesn't need to be a lot. You know, honestly, five pounds would make all the difference in the world. Uh, but like I said earlier, it hasn't bothered bothered him at all. One of the best measurements for a running back um, to, to talk about their physicality and their ability to, to handle the hits all the time is yards after contact. And surprisingly, the undersized, uh, concerningly undersized running back Miles Sanders finished 11th in yards after contact. Uh, he finished behind guys like Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Raheem Mostart, and Josh Jacobs. All running backs known for being very physical and punishing runners. So, of course, he finished behind them. That's not sort of his, his go-to ability, um, so to speak. And to be sort of in conversation with a lot of those guys, that's just really impressive. Again, especially if he can put on another five pounds of muscle, that's going to help him a lot more. So, all in all, the one concern that people have for him is really non-existent in my mind. It hasn't been a problem, and I don't think that it will be a problem. But let's continue on with just a few more of his stats um, because ultimately you guys really want me to break down this as in-depth as we can, and I totally understand that. Sanders definitely had a really explosive season statistically, over 1,300 total yards and 4.6 yards per carry. According to ESPN, that's 18th among qualifying running backs. That's fairly solid, again, especially for a guy who uh, that's not necessarily a specialty. One of the things he does really well is his stats in the passing game as a whole were phenomenal. And of course, that's going to mean a lot. We'll talk about that in a second. But what I really liked and the thing that I want to note, if you get anything from this at all, is that his season was pretty good, but it was great at the end. He struggled with a, a little bit of injuries earlier on in the year and then of course by the end he was really quite dominant so when we actually look at the last five games of the season he finished sixth in fantasy points among running backs behind only Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, and Kenyon Drake. Um, those are some really stud running backs for him to be just behind. Um, again finished sixth behind some of those really stud backs and, and that really ultimately is huge. Um, when you look at it, if he is in the likes of McCaffrey and Elliott and Barkley, that shows you just how productive he was. Now, yes, it was only a five-game stretch, and plenty of not great players have those sort of stretches, but he was 15th the season as a whole, so it's not a huge leap to imagine a rookie who can make that sort of improvement, especially when that volume certainly stepped up. And then, of course, he's not just a running back. This guy is super versatile. When we look at it in the passing game, he was top 12 in receptions, yards, average depth of target, yards per target, and yards per catch. Um, but the Eagles love to use him. They used him really efficiently. I love to look at the red zone and his red zone targets were great. So he finished top 10, excuse me, top seven in red zone targets, catches, and touchdowns. That's really effective and efficient usage. That's the sort of stats that total great fantasy numbers. And, and as a whole, I don't think there's really a whole lot we can knock on the guy. I don't think it's a perfect offense, but it was a struggling offense last year. Imagine they get a better defense so they can afford to run the ball more and they make some improvements to their passing game to keep defenses honest. This could very well be a year where he sneaks into that RB1 category, though he is at least going to be an RB2, barring any sort of injury. Absolutely underrated. For me, it is really shocking to see that he is not getting as much credit as he deserves. 
Remember, going back to when we first started talking about him, people are considering him the 29th running back, 68th overall. That is crazy to me. I don't understand it. And I guess this is really a theme for this video. We'll talk about with other players. Um, for some reason, the offseason comes and we just kind of forget to look at the stat book, I guess. I don't know what that is, what most people are, but they're just not, I guess, really digging deep and really paying attention to the numbers because when you look at the numbers, it becomes crystal clear. He is a stud running back and he's got a, like a solid future in the NFL ahead of him. Uh, but let's get going with our next guy. All right, guys, now it's time to talk about Cooper Cup. And if we're being honest, he really shouldn't be on this list. It's kind of crazy to me that I even get to talk about him, but I tell you what, I love Cooper Cup, so I'm going to take the opportunity. Right now, according to most major fantasy sites, his average draft position is the 21st wide receiver off the board. I'm going to repeat that again for people who don't believe me, because I wouldn't believe me either. He is currently the 21st wide receiver taken off the board, according to average draft position and a lot of big site rankings. That is really absurd to me. It's funny, we look back to the preseason before the 2020, or excuse me, the 2019 season started back to before last year, and he's recovering from this injury, and a lot of people have concerns about him, and they're ranking him too low. And I said after video, after video, after video, I put myself on the line, because I didn't just say I liked Cooper Cup. Um, if you remember, I said that he would be better than ever, and he would be an elite wide receiver and I definitely put myself on the line for that and I received a lot of flack from people who called me dumb they said I didn't understand how injuries worked and I was an idiot sure enough I was right he finished fourth amongst wide receivers last year he was absolutely dominant there's no arguing that and I was certainly right and this year kind of feels like deja vu though we are still somewhat early in the offseason um, it's crazy to me. Um, for him to finish 21st, he would have to finish like five times worse this coming year than he did last year. Something that just doesn't make sense. There's no reason to expect that. There's no reason to predict that. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Um, so for that reason alone, I'm just going to start by saying that already makes him underrated. And quite honestly, I would feel fairly justified in just ending the video there, or at least ending the Cooper Cup talk there. But I'm a thorough guy. I like to go through things. Uh, so I have a ton of stuff here and I'm gonna dig my eyes into this phone not even look at the camera and we're just gonna read off stat after stat after stat to remind you why Cooper Cup is super dominant why he is a great wide receiver and why I'm gonna slap the word elite on him because that's what he is he is elite NFL wide receiver and his average draft position is kind of insulting so let's get into it. First of all, he had 10 touchdowns. That is second most amongst wide receivers to only Kenny Galladay, who had 11. That already is great. Of course, in the red zone, he finished top seven in targets, catches, and touchdowns. We mentioned that with Miles Sanders. Red zone production is extremely important, especially for wide receivers. And the reason for that is not so great wide receivers can kind of fake it outside of the red zone but passing in the red zone is extremely difficult to produce in the red zone there's all this attention it's a tighter space you're not going to get free open field catches you have to just be a good wide receiver you have to have good hands you have to learn to play physical um you can't really fake it in the red zone and cooper cup proves that he is not faking it. he is very dominant in the red zone uh, but he's also a key part of his team. It's not just the fantasy production. It's that he will continue to be a fantasy producer because his team needs him to continuing to be just plain and old a producer, right? To get the numbers. So when he went over 100 receiving yards or had a touchdown, the Rams averaged 28.6 points per game. When he was without 100 yards or without a touchdown, the Rams averaged just 14.8 points per game. 
a number that's even more deceiving when in two of those games the numbers were kind of skewed one was versus the falcons they won 37 to 10 they clearly didn't need to throw the ball a whole lot so that kind of skews that stat a bit and the other was versus the panthers they were up 23 to 10 until there was about 15 minutes left and one of those games he still had six catches for 50 yards so in a ppr league that's still at least what 11 points that's not too bad it's not great but six catches for 50 yards on one of your off days is is pretty darn good ultimately the numbers were there he is a key part of his team he was an unbelievably consistent producer last year and if the Rams are going to make any improvements, they're going to continue to lean on their wide receiver as they absolutely definitely will. And of course, the decline of and possible leaving of Brandon Cooks is another thing that's definitely going to help Cooper Cup. Though I think there are some wide receivers in the NFL who are going to get theirs. They're going to get their touches and their fantasy points no matter who is on the roster around them. Cooper Cup is 100% one of those guys. But the numbers continue on. He's a versatile wide receiver. Uh, not only does he play wide out in the slot, uh, excuse me, does he play the wide, wide receiver kind of out there um, by the boundaries? But he also can play the slot really well. With 69 catches, he tied Julian Edelman for the most catches in the slot. Absolutely love to see that. That's, of course, going to be a big boost to his PPR production. Um, he also finished 12th in yards per route run with 2.08 yards per route run. When you're getting the ball that much, it's hard to be that efficient. That impresses me as well. Not only that, he finished season by generating a pass rating of 117 that is sixth among nfl wide receivers that qualify with um, enough targets and then his 5.8 average yards after the catch was third among qualifying wide receivers so he's not just good at getting open he's not just good at catching the ball when he catches that ball he's going to punish you by continuing to do things after he's caught the ball plain and simple cooper cup crazy dominant it's absurd to me that so-called experts are underrating him this much um, I was happy to talk about this guy. Sorry if you find it a little boring because most of you probably agreed with me as you should. Um, but he's a great wide receiver and I guess now is the benefit of having your draft at this point in the year. If you guys would like to draft in March, you could pretty much get Cooper Cup for free. So I guess there's a benefit to that. Uh, but let's get going. Let's move on uh, and talk about our next guy. So one thing I wanted to do before I continue this video is again remind you that this video was kind of inspired by a comment that somebody left. So what we want to hear from you guys is A, uh, is just leave a comment on two things. One, who are some underrated players that you guys want to hear about? Uh, because we will probably be doing a part two to this and we will definitely be doing an overrated players video. That's going to be super controversial. Oh, and while I'm on it, some other videos we're going to be doing soon. I think the next video will be Dynasty Quarterback Rankings. That's one I'm excited for. But anyways, um, and that was the other thing. We want to hear from you guys video suggestions. What are the videos you guys want to hear about? We have a lot of videos to cover this offseason. We still have to do our rankings. We have to do our ranking adjustments. We have to do our dynasty rankings. Sleepers, we still have to do a part two to this. Overrated, underrated. We have so many different videos to do, but we want to hear from you guys. We don't want to just produce videos. We want to produce videos that you guys want to watch because if you're not watching them, then there's really kind of no point. Uh, but let's continue on with the video and get into the next guy. All right, so we definitely have to talk about Austin Eckler. Um, for right now, he's underrated. I could definitely see three, four months from now or whatever it is we get closer to the season, um, his average draft position slash average ranking going up. As of right now, according to most of the sites that I'm seeing, they have him at 27. Again, by the time you watch this video, that'll probably change. But for now, he fits on the video, and I want to talk about him, so let's talk about him. Um, there's a lot to talk about. For starters, good news for him. The Chargers just signed him to a four-year, $24.5 million contract. I believe that gives him up to... 
26 million in guarantee, or excuse me, 26 million in incentives, um, and the big one being 15 million guaranteed. Um, that is a lot to guarantee a player. That is whether or not he plays there or whatever happens, they're paying him that money even if he retires or whatever. And so again, that's a lot of money to guarantee. That's a lot of money of incentives and everything going on there. Um, and so he definitely needs to go on this list. We'll talk about some of his fantasy numbers in a second, but for starters, this means that they like him. They want to keep him around, that they're willing to pay him to keep him around. And of course, ultimately it means that they are very unlikely to see Melvin Gordon playing for the Chargers next year. That's a lot of money to give to one running back when you very well know that Melvin Gordon is going to be asking for as much, if not more money than Austin Eckler. They're not going to be able to afford to do that. So as of right now, I feel pretty darn confident in saying that Austin Eckler is going to be the Chargers running back in 2020 and Gordon will probably not be there. I could still be wrong. I'm not going to you know, guarantee it and I'm not the sort of guy to guarantee it, uh, but I just don't see it being very likely at this point. In addition, he was really good last year and I think some people forget that, don't have a short memory. Uh, through the first seven weeks, he was third among running backs in fantasy points, um, but I guess better, he didn't really fall off that much. He finished seven seventh in standard leagues and fifth in PPR throughout the season as a whole. He was a running back one last year in standard leagues as well. I know he's mostly a PPR guy, but ultimately he was still a PP, or excuse me, he was still a standard league RB1. And that's that's really crazy concept for people to admit. Even myself, I'm kind of sitting here thinking like, is that right? But that's what the numbers say. And that's you know what the numbers say. They're not wrong. So ultimately um, he showed us he can perform without Gordon. Gordon probably won't be there. He could have a full season as the number one running back. And the numbers were there last year. We're about to dig into some more numbers, but at this point, it's already a huge sign. Again, currently as the 27th running back, that's like three or four times worse than where he was last year as, you know, that fifth to seventh range. Um, but uh, as is the case, let's dig into the stats because I, I love to kind of get a little bit nerdy about it. But uh, what can you do about it? So as we look at the numbers, his 0.52, basically a half a fantasy point per snap was first in the NFL among qualifying running backs. He averaged almost a half a point per snap, not per touch, just per time he was on the field. That's absolutely crazy. He also had 1.4 fantasy points per touch. That was second best among qualifying running backs. I believe number one was James White, by the way. Um, in case you were wondering. And then, of course, he averaged 3.23 average yards after contact. That was 12th among running backs. And he finished 25th in avoiding tackles. Um, in avoided tackles, that's a really good number right there. 25th, and doesn't sound that great, but he finished 8th in avoided tackles per carry. Telling you just again how efficient he was because not a lot of his touches were carries. Most of them were in the passing game. And of course, 104 targets and 92 catches over 900 receiving yards and 8 receiving touchdowns. That's absolutely crazy. He proved his worth in the passing game as one of the elite receiving running backs in the NFL. And of course, if you're in a PPR league, that's an extra 90 two points that you're going to get. So of course that's going to make a big difference. And then if you're in a half, I believe that's what 46 or something like that, but you get the point. The numbers are there. Even if he's struggling on the ground, he's going to get it done in the passing game. And we've talked about this a lot in the regular season, uh, but don't forget in the off season, a running back who can do a lot in the passing game keeps himself valuable even if your team falls behind. Whereas running backs like, say, a Nick Chubb lose a lot of their value once the Browns are down by 20 points. They can't really use him as much. So, of course, that's going to keep him in a lot of games, especially considering, honestly, how bad the Chargers looked. So that's going to get him a long way. 
the two knocks on him, one, he averaged 4.2 yards per carry. Um, that's not only a career low, but his yards per carry has decreased every year that he has been in the league. And ultimately, he only ran for 557 yards and three rushing touchdowns. So he did 11 total touchdowns, but when you have that few on the ground, it is a little bit concerning, and you definitely have to wonder, what are the Chargers going to do? They're probably going to have to go out and try to get a running back to be their ground guy. Um, again, not a major concern, but it's definitely a concern to monitor. Um, and think about I would be curious to see what you guys have to think about this and I'll talk about it more probably come rankings time when we officially put out our rankings but um, uh, but yeah and then sorry excuse me the other thing was uh, 92 catches 104 targets when we look at that a lot of that was due to Philip Rivers and his play style and the way that offense worked uh, there is certainly a question mark as to who this new running back come or excuse me who this new quarterback coming is and, and what he's going to be able to do um, in the passing game, and especially with Austin Eckler, is he going to check down less? Is he going to be less efficient? When you catch 92 of 104 of your targets, that's a really good catch percentage. That's somewhere around like 88 catch percentage. I could be wrong, and don't quote me on that, but um, he could certainly suffer from, you know, rookie quarterback syndrome, and that's a minor concern for me as well, though it's not a major concern, you know. Checkdowns to your running back are certainly easier than other uh, other throws, and rookie quarterbacks are known for that. But there are definitely some quarterbacks who do it more than others, so we'll see kind of what quarterback he has heading into this year. It's going to make a big difference. Do not underestimate that. And we still, at this point, recording this early March or whatever, um, have mid-March. I don't even know when it is, but we still have a lot of time to watch and see uh, what's going to happen this offseason. Teams are still really left to be impacted by the players they still have to add. So the last guy I want to talk about in this video and kind of somewhat briefly, maybe not as long as some of the other guys, but that's Rashad Penny. He absolutely has some value. And right now, again, according to most major sites, according to ADP and where he's being ranked and stuff, I'm seeing him around 38, but also some sites are going to the extreme and having him as low as 58. So things are not necessarily going very well for kind of where some teams and some, excuse me, some, some people, some places are expecting him to go and evaluating him at is just, as a whole, it's not great. Eh? And again, he fits in this video for that reason, so that's great for us. Um, but it's crazy to me to see the perception on him. Everyone has completely hit the panic button on that injury. And quite honestly, I don't fully understand why. For starters, um, it seems like he's recovering fine. Uh, he's got many months to recover, and he always seems to be ahead of schedule. Here's what we know right now. Um, he's already back and recovering from his ACL injury that he did sustain last season. And he's already gotten back on the bike, doing some rehab, um, trying not to do, of course, too much horizontal movement, but running and, you know, again, getting on the bike and just rotating that leg and having some movement speed there is great. And that's been going very well. He's been tweeting about quite a bit about, about how excited he is. Um, I like what Pete Carroll said. I'm just going to read this quote pretty much straight up for you. He said, he's doing great. He's ahead of schedule already. They're really excited about the progress that he's making. He's got six or seven months ahead of him that are going to be really challenging and we will have to wait and see, but he's really determined. His attitude is great about it and he's planning on making it back and getting ready to play. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, that's pretty, um, pretty good news to see that he's, you know, a little bit ahead of schedule. And of course he's recovering fine. He's got a lot of time to recover. Um, but ultimately, the first thing I wanted to say about this whole injury thing is quit panicking. 
everybody. Why do we hit the panic button? Why are we freaking out? Why are we jump and ship right away? Again, this is the whole Cooper Cup thing I talked about earlier. I remember, I remember Adrian Peterson coming back off of his injury. Um, running backs in today's day and age, they're just recovering better running backs. Players in any sport and life in general, just recovering from injuries faster and faster and faster. Um, modern medicine has been absolutely insane in helping that. Um, and you've got lots of time to monitor this, right? So I can put him on this list and afford the risk that he recovers too slow and doesn't have a great start to his season uh, because I'm recording this in March and I guess, oh, well, um, pay attention to that, monitor that. We will be talking about it in future videos. Um, but if things continue progressing his recovery as they have, he is certainly going to be in line to have more value um, than he's kind of being taken at right now. And we'll talk about more why I don't like where he's being taken in a second. But first, let's get to a few promising stats. Um, so we look at it, his 5.69 yards per carry were best among all running backs with at least 65 carries. So qualifying running backs absolutely dominated in the yards per carry market. That was great. He had a crazy 0.95 fantasy points per touch. Uh, that's almost a that's almost a fantasy point every single time he got the ball. Of course, that's very productive. Um, and what I like about, what I really like is I begin to dig into the numbers. You won't see this if you're just looking at the stat book and you won't see this if you're glancing at the game log. You have to really dig into the game log to notice this but here's what impressed me in games where he had 10 plus carries he was very productive so he had three games with 10 carries or more that was against pittsburgh minnesota and philadelphia noteworthy those are all three teams with top run defenses sort of top quarter of the nfl top third of the nfl run defenses so that's tough competition uh, but in those games he averaged 6.8 yards per carry and had four touchdowns in just those three games he was way more productive when his volume came in fact his volume seemed very clearly to be more important than his matchup and that's not very common for a lot of guys and that's the very opposite of guys like say lamar miller we've heard even complaints about that uh, from the dolphins about Kenyon drake and a lot of running backs who are productive but have been said can't quite handle the physical workload not great on the ground between the tackles um not ready for the volume such and such that's not him that's not what we've seen at all and you know what? He's not the most elite runner. He is not the best running back out there. And the injury is a concern to monitor. Yes. As well as the Carson Wentz, or excuse me, Chris Carson thing. Chris Carson still being there is another thing. Um, but my argument is not that he's going to be an elite running back. Here's my argument. And here's what really got me. When I began to look at his ADP slash his rank, where a lot of people were placing him and evaluating him, it began to concern me as far as how we rate players and how we evaluate who's more valuable than whom. Because I looked through it, Matt Breida, LaShawn McCoy, Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, all those running backs are typically ahead of him in rankings and average draft position by most sites. Something that to me is absolutely absurd. I'm gonna say it right now. If you're drafting Tariq Cohen, Rashad Penny better be off the board. And I'll tell you why. Rashad Penny, you could take him and he could be an absolute bust. He could stink and he could not be worth it and he could be just straight up poopy garbage, whatever you wanna call it. But he has far more potential than Tariq Cohen. You know what you're getting with Tariq Cohen, and that is nothing good. You're not getting great production with him. You're not getting an awesome season with him. He's not going to be this breakout stud. He just wasn't great. His numbers were pretty darn bad. Um, and I'm not even going to dig into that too much. By the time you're drafting Tariq Cohen and guys like that, or guys like LaShawn McCoy, or guys like Jordan Howard or Matt Breida, 
go ahead, take Rashad Penny, get the upside. If you're not going to get much value out of it, at least take a chance at getting value out of it. Am I right? And I tell you what, on the high side, he was unbelievably productive for a few games. He was great. And it was only for a few games, but if he is able to take that spark and really capture it and turn it into a dominant career, which is very possible, we've seen people do it in the past, not terribly likely, but definitely possible. If he is able to do that and become the running back that we saw last year, which was great running back and a running back that Seattle is no doubt looking for, he will be at least a running back too, for sure. That's how productive he was. And of course, I do like his system there with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. As, as a whole, it's a really great team to be around, really great organization to be playing for. Uh, and so again, uh, the big thing that concerns me here is, yes, I can understand some, some fear and some anxiety and some nerves. Quit hitting the panic button. Look at the stats and look at who you're taking ahead of this guy. Like, why are you doing that? Are you really thinking through your draft picks and your rankings if that's uh, the decision that you've made? I, I really don't think so. But there goes my rant. Um, I guess I'm in an angry mood or whatever. I'm actually really tired. It is uh, 6 13 in the morning and I haven't slept yet. So, <laughs> um, oh, well, but Hey guys, one last thing for this video that I want to discuss. Okay. Well, actually a few things, but first thing being, we wanted to thank you for you guys' support. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, we actually, I went over, I think our last eight or nine videos and we've got like 158 likes to one dislike, uh, whoever disliked it, please quit bullying us. It hurts my feelings, but everybody else, thank you so much. We love to have that high of a like dislike ratio. We're stat guys. So we love the efficiency. We love that sort of marker and we really appreciate your support. And by we, I mean me and Rob. Rob hasn't been here for quite a while and he keeps planning on coming back. Things have been really crazy for him. And uh, so I want all you guys, cause, cause I miss him. I want him to have him come back in the videos and you know help do some more players. Cause we were planning on doing eight players for this video, uh, but I ended up just having to do four of them myself. Um, so leave a comment down below, tell Rob to get his butt back here and to get in shape and to get some videos pumped out with me. Cause I'm really excited about this fantasy season. We got a lot of work to do and a lot of videos to pump out, but we are really excited and we do really enjoy it. Um, and he's been meaning to get back. It's just been really difficult. But, uh, anyways, guys, we thank you so much for your support. You guys have been really great. And if you're still watching at this point and you're not subscribed, definitely consider doing that as we were going to really start pumping out the fantasy content here. I've been saying that funny, the off season started or the fantasy off season started and it was like a month without a video, two weeks, one week. And now we're, you know, really getting it down. But anyways, guys, uh, again, thank you so much. You have a great day and God bless.